BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. It's Wednesday, the first hour of our program. It must be time for Middays with Mark. That's what we're calling it, right, Congressman? That's right, Tom. I appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, it's Middays with Mark Pocan, the uh, U.S. Congressman representing the 2nd District of Wisconsin. He's the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus here in Washington, D.C., in the House of Representatives. Pocan.house.gov is the website, and you can tweet him at Rep, R-E-P, as in representative, Rep Mark Pocan. Congressman, and, and by the way, if you have any questions for Congressman Pocan, our number is 202-808-9925. Lines are open, as they say in the radio business, and he will be taking your calls as soon as we have a brief conversation. So, uh, Congressman, what, what do you, what's at the top of your hit parade today? Well, I think, you know, getting ready for going back next week, uh, we're in for 12 days in September in which we have to uh, pass a budget um, uh, by September 30th, uh, debt ceiling uh, either going to be tied to it or immediately following, and uh, a threat from the president that if he doesn't, you know, get the wall, he's uh, going to shut down government. So, you know, that has a huge impact uh, across the board for everyone. So I think that's going to be um, kind of at front of mind for most members returning. Yeah. What what is the uh, status I, today? Is the last day? In fact, let me get over to the website. I was just there this morning. Uh, if you go to fcc.gov and then uh, click on uh, public comment, and then at the very top of public comment is the uh, public comments, which closed today on uh, restoring internet freedom. It shows eight million five hundred seventy thousand. Um, what do you call it? Uh, people have have uh, posted there. And if you go on and look, they're all, you know, saying in fact, now it's showing twenty one point eight million results. So there must be twenty one point eight million comments here. Um, your thoughts on all this? Yeah, you would think that would be uh, more than satisfactory <laughs> for them <clears throat> to not go in this direction. But, you know, they're they're trying to play with a line that, you know, the big, big providers, AT&T and Verizon and Comcast uh, and a few others, uh, you know, really want to be able to control more around the net. Not only do they want to charge you for Internet access, but would also like to charge websites uh, for a fast lane access. Uh, what that means are the big, big companies with lots of money uh, can get access to you quicker 
rather than that local business that you may buy from that has a web presence. So it, it's a bad idea, um, and I think anyone who's not one of the biggest uh, telecom providers should be against it. But, you know, uh, this is Trump's uh, appointments on the FCC, and I think we're, we're concerned to what direction they may go. Yeah. I find it amazing that uh, the, the television, the cable TV networks are owned by companies that are suing the government to end net neutrality, and they're not discussing this topic at all. I'm just maybe maybe they have been today and I missed it, but like I said, today is the last day for comments. I, I just this is amazing. Um, yeah, you, I, I think if people can comment, I mean it's a good thing to make sure the more they have, the harder it's going to be for them to come up with a decision that's uh, just in the best interest of the telecommunication companies. So yeah. um, if people can, they should try to do it today. Now the Republicans have have uh, they were they were not enthusiastic about sending money, particularly Texas Republicans sending money for Hurricane Sandy relief. And uh, as I recall, they weren't all that enthusiastic about even Hurricane Katrina relief after 1,800 people died uh, while George W. Bush was out uh, having cake with John McCain at a birthday party. Um, what's, what's going on with this right now? How do you expect this to play out in Congress? Well, you know, this is going to be, I think, particularly interesting because um, when we had Hurricane Sandy relief, Paul Ryan voted against it. 179 Republicans voted against it. I believe everyone in Texas but one Republican voted against it. And, uh, you know, that, that was a wrong vote for them, right? I mean, we have to, or as a country, we have to, if there's a, a big disaster, we all have to be there for it. And, you know, it's been interesting to watch Republicans in the Northeast who uh, were affected by Sandy, who voted for Sandy Relief, saying, hey, we're going to support Texas because this is what our job as a country is. But then to watch you know, Ted Cruz and other uh, House Republicans from Texas trying to spin this, that there was a bunch of pork and everything else. And, you know, uh, Trump, uh, Cruz got three Pinocchios for that. I mean, th this is our job. This is why you have government. And, you know, it's it's going to be interesting if we have uh, people trying to stop uh, assistance going to Texas. And, you know, Speaker Paul Ryan, who's supposed to be the adult, you know, gets credit often for being the adult, was one of the people who voted against Hurricane Sandy relief. And I think that's significant. Yeah. It, it, today is the day that uh, Trump is supposed to be officially starting to peddle his so-called tax reform. Um, there's a great piece in the New York Times today by uh, Sarah Anderson titled, It's a Myth that Corporate Tax Cuts Make More Jobs. Um, what, what, is, what is the position of the, of the Congressional Progressive Caucus on? Well, you know, we would love to see, if you want to have tax reform, then we'll give you a very, very different direction to go. Um, you know, we think uh, that you should have uh, higher rates on some of those who are making more money. Uh, and let's respect uh, those who are working Americans, uh, if you're going to talk about taxes, not uh, just the top 1% and 2%, not just corporations. Uh, we already have plenty of loopholes. Corporations can buy a company in Ireland and do a tax inversion and pay nothing, which many of them do. There's already all these loopholes. Um, I think it's going be enormously hard for them to get anything done because I would say 20% of my meetings, Tom, in Washington are people who have some little niche carved out uh, of a tax break and they want to preserve it. And that makes it harder than healthcare. And we saw how successful they were on that. But uh, we would go in a very, very different direction, uh, making sure that those who uh, have the most can pay a greater share and that we provide real relief to people who are uh, working uh, class Americans and those aspiring to be in the working class. Yeah. What's, you know, I'm, I'm watching with considerable horror both the activities of uh, Scott Pruin and Ryan Zinke uh, at, uh, at uh, EPA and, and Interior, respectively, um, and 
and the lack of coverage. There's these guys are aggressively, uh, you know, making it easier and more profitable for big companies to poison our air and our water and our food supply, and 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 open up public lands for drilling and and mining and all this kind of stuff. It, it just it seems crazy to me. What is there anything that y'all in Congress can do about this? Well, you know, uh, I, I go back to probably what I say almost every week is elections have consequences, right? You know, the Republicans are in charge of the House, the Senate, and the White House. Uh, they're allowing these actions. It's very, very difficult. It's not just in this area. I was speaking with a bunch of labor leaders this morning talking about all the, the rule changes that the Obama administration put in place in the last year of their administration that are being turned back uh, from OSHA to um, uh, union rules to uh, all sorts of things. And uh, yet you don't hear much about those either. Um, you know, unfortunately, whatever the president says in 140 characters will will get all the press uh, from the corporate media and some of these real actions that are affecting people across the country uh, don't get the same attention. And, you know, unfortunately, I, I don't see Paul Ryan trying to change direction on that because he's so complicit with whatever happens out of uh, the Trump administration. Uh, we're going to have a lot to fix when we uh, finally get the House majority back. Yeah. Well, let's hope that's a year and a half from now. Congressman Mark Pocan with us, the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, representing the 2nd District of Wisconsin in the House of Representatives. Pocan.house.gov, your opportunity to ask a congressman a question. Middays with Mark. And welcome back. Carl in Manchester, 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 oh, Machesney Park, Illinois. Hey, Carl, what's up? Hi, uh, I was uh, wondering how uh, the Iron Stash is doing in his campaign against uh, Paul Ryan. I understand he's raising a ton of money. Congressman? Yeah, I, you know, um, Randy Bryce is doing a great job. And um, I, I believe uh, watching Rachel Maddow tonight might be something uh, useful for some folks to do because uh, I understand they, they had a poll and they may be releasing some results which are very, very positive uh, for Randy Bryce. He's working real hard. He's been uh, handling the issues right, uh, working real hard on things like health care and other issues uh, to provide a real contrast. This is a real race. Paul Ryan is in for the election of his lifetime. Uh, we have a chance to flip a seat uh, just across where you live in McChesney Park uh, in, into Wisconsin. And um, I think people should be watching this race uh, as one of the top races in the country to be really keeping track of. Gary in Cooperstown, New York, watching Free Speech TV there. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, uh, Tom. Hi, Congressman. I just um, I mentioned to the, um, to the screener that uh, this morning I was watching MSNBC, and an Al Jazeera English reporter, Shahid Rakanki, was talking about climate change and how it affected the, cover, you know, the uh, situation in Texas. And when he got to talking about the money that was spent, made by the oil company, the denial of the oil companies, and then also that... Texas politicians would be held responsible, they cut them off. And I know we talk about this a lot about the corporate media not covering climate change, but I've got living proof on tape that they did it. We never saw anything else of Shahib and the rest of the reporting. Uh, they went to other rescues and other you know, things that would be uh, you know, other shiny objects, if you will. And I just wondered about, is there anything anybody can do other than just not watch MSNBC, but... Um, just the, the, the hypocrisy of not covering this in, in the light that it should be. Sure, Gary. I, well, first of all, I mean, I, I think what we've learned is, you know, the oil industry has known about this for a long time. And 
selectively chose to do nothing. Um, that information starting to get out more. But, you know, I, I think any of these Texas Republicans who haven't voted for flood relief for other areas, who still deny climate change as this happens to their own communities and their own state, you know, I think the flood insurance debate that we have coming up also very likely in September, how can you not argue that we're having major climate changes uh, and that they've got to point to something uh, that's doing that? I- I'm hopeful that, uh, again, people are way ahead of where elected officials are. Elected officials are still kowtowing to the oil and, and other industries that don't want to admit there's climate change. Uh, but we're winning because people understand what's happening, and we just have to replace the people who won't change their ways. Yeah, seems like a pretty straightforward process. Congressman, we just have 30 seconds till we hit the break. Um, what what's your best advice for people who want to change that situation? Well, I mean, I think, you know, whatever group you think is doing the best job on those issues, uh, I always argue double down with those groups right now. They can magnify your voice, call your representatives, make sure they know where you stand. People are doing that more than ever. But then work with those groups that you believe in on those issues you care about and let them magnify your voice. Uh, we're winning on all of these fronts if we keep unified. Yeah. And I don't even think it's a big if. I think people are really coming together right now. And you're one of the real heroes of the movement. Congressman Mark Pocan, uh, the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, uh, pocan.house.gov, and the website. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. We'll be right back with more of your calls. Welcome back, Congressman Mark Pocan on the line with us, taking your calls middays with Mark here on the Tom Hartman program on this uh, Wednesday first hour. And Deborah in St. Paul, Minnesota, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, w- I just had an idea, maybe people thought of this before, but is it possible we could, you know, we all get a Social Security number. Could we all get a voting number so then there isn't a problem with the names you know, duplicating, and maybe that would alleviate that problem. Well, and Deborah, that is part of what we're, we have a bill right now to say if you're going to purge someone, you have to have their Social Security number to prove that they're not, um, that the two people are the same number, because what they're doing is taking, uh, you know, Jose Rodriguez in um, uh, Florida and Jose Rodriguez in Oklahoma and just purging them because there's two Jose Rodriguez, which is a, still a fairly common name and not enough to differentiate. Therefore, we're saying you need a middle name, you need a Social Security number. Um, but I think, you know, it does come to this automatic voter registration issue. I mean, how can we make sure that it's not a burden to become, uh, to be able to do your civic duty, which is to vote? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I think we should have all suggestions on the table, Deborah. And you're right. We all get a Social Security number. I know that some people, um, uh, I think we need to look at all options to figure out how we can ensure that that is a sacred right, in addition to uh, putting it as part of our Constitution, which uh, Keith Ellison from your area and I are trying to do. Kevin, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thank you for taking my call, Congressman Pocan. I am concerned about the South Texas nuclear plant. Not only did this hurricane visit every one of our major refineries in Houston, Beaumont, Port Arthur, and Lake Charles, but there are three nuclear plants in its path, and with a floodgate forecasting a 45-foot crest in Bay City, and a 41-foot retaining wall around the South Texas plant, I'm a little concerned, especially with Rick Perry in charge. Oof. Yeah. 
<laughs> Rick Barry alone in charge of anything should make people worry. But um, your your point is is well taken. And again, it goes back to this whole debate around climate change. People who want to ignore the science because there's some special interests that uh, want to want them to ignore the science, and yet. That's a real life ramification. You know, if it has, if we we have problems with power, with nuclear plants, with just about anything, that's affecting real people. Real people will die, and uh, you can't just continue to ignore it because the oil industry is going to keep practicing in the exact same way. So I think it kind of comes back to that original fight. I think most people, um, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, uh, understand uh, what climate change is. We have to just force that upon uh, those who are our so-called leaders. Dave in Canton, Ohio. You're on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan. Dave, let's stand serious. XM. Hello. Hey, Dave, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm concerned about President Trump's pardon activities. Is there any way that the, the Senate or the Congress can pass a bill that limits his powers to pardon you know, I'll tell you, I think we may have to, with this president, you have to look at everything differently because he's operating so differently. I mean, I think um, part of the, the pardon that happened um, for the sheriff in Arizona was based on just the president thinking uh, that some of his base are outright racist and he's doing it for them and, quite honestly, for himself. Um, but I think a part of it was a signal to all the people that are uh, being called in on the investigations on Russia uh, that, hey, look, I'll have your backs early and often. You don't even have to ask for it because they're claiming Sheriff uh, didn't even ask for it and all of a sudden uh, got the pardon. I think there's more of a message that came out of that, not just to keep his race baiting that he's been doing uh, over the last several weeks, which has been just awful, uh, but also to send a message that, you know, keep quiet, and if something happens to you, I can take care of you. I've got the power of pardon. I think he enjoys uh, king-like powers as a president. Well, he's always been a, a CEO, which is functionally a king. I mean, right. corporations are, are essentially feudal institutions, so maybe he just thinks that's how it's supposed to be. Matt, in Norfolk, Virginia, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Congressman Pocan, it's an honor to speak with you today. Um, my question is about the, the budget. Um, I don't know how how the budget rules work, but can uh, if he threatens to veto your budget bill if it doesn't include the wall, do you guys have the power to overrule his veto? And if so, um, is there any sort of plan or steps being made to do so? Well, I think we're probably a little ahead of ourselves because, first of all, I think uh, many of the Republicans support what he's doing on the wall. There are some, uh, remarkably, on border districts who know it's a bad idea uh, that may not support that. But um, you know, if he would veto it, yes, we would have the ability to override. But I think that is many steps yet ahead. And I personally think often when the president says something, it's bravado. It's when he doesn't say it, you got to watch out. Um, like when he uh, did the initial ban on uh, people who are transgender serving in the military, we didn't have advance notice. It just happened in a tweet. I think that's the problem. He often puts these ideas out. He does them in rally settings. He does it for the applause from his adoring fans to, con you know, to cover his narcissism. But, um, I don't know if he'll actually live up to it, uh, one. But more importantly, I think the Republicans likely are to keep, will keep funding in for the wall because uh, most of them support that. Sam in Estes Park, Colorado. Sam, we got a minute to the break. Real quick question for Congressman Pocan. 
Yes, uh, impeachment. I called my representatives here in Colorado, Senator Bennett, Gardner, and Congressman Paulus, and I didn't. Well, I wasn't surprised by Gardner's response about impeachment um, because he's a Republican, but I was surprised that Bennett and Paulus didn't really seem, well, their staffers, I spoke to staffers, didn't seem that they had any statement of any sort of force or strength on this issue. And I'm just wondering how come it seems to me through them that the Democrats aren't like taking up this rhetorical space on the battlefield like much more passionately. Yeah, Sam, it's going to be hard in 20 seconds, but let me say this. Um, I think many of our members uh, are talking about it. We say we have every option open, including impeachment. And uh, we also realize that you need a, a majority, you need a bunch of Republicans to join with us in order to do that. And we're not there yet, but uh, we need to keep the pressure on because uh, so far I've heard a new case for impeachment that I thought was very compelling this week. And I think we need to keep every option open. We'll be back with more of your calls for Congressman Mark Pocan in our Middays with Mark Hour here on the Tom Hartman Program. First hour Wednesday, Congressman Pocan, the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, a Democrat from Wisconsin, taking your call. Fantasy football fans, the wait is nearly over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back. FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. They have new contests starting every week, so there's no busted seasons. FanDuel has something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from, starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Hey, would you like to have Colin Kaepernick on your team? He's on mine. There's a lot of ways to put together and personalize your team, and boy, the games just get better and better. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. Sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M. New users get free entry into the NFL Sunday Million with over $1 million in cash prizes when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com and sign up with promo code TOM, T-H-O-M. That's FanDuel, F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com, promo code TOM. Void where prohibited. Welcome back. Tom Harmon here with you. A couple quick reminders. I have a a piece that uh, was published on Alternet a few hours ago. Uh, We have to be vigilant about the coming smear project against Antifa. The media is busy creating a left-wing threat to balance the awful racist right-wing hordes who threaten civil society, just an FYI. And also, if you go over to FCC.gov and uh, click on your, uh, you know, uh, filings, uh, you'll see that uh, as of today, there have been 21,800,000 people who have weighed in on net neutrality. As of the last 30 days, it's been 8.5 million people. A lot going on there. You might want to get your voice in. Today's the last day to do that. Congressman Mark Pocan on the line with us, taking your calls. It's our Midday with Mark segment. And Bobby in Kaiser, Oregon, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, Congressman, I'm a, a veteran. I've been using the VA health system for over 20 years. Um, I've had colonoscopies done. I, they found a polyp that God hasn't turned uh, uh, cancerous yet. So I've had a few colonoscopies done. I get an annual physical every year. I've had a couple surgeries, and they've never billed me or charged me for anything. But since Trump's team has taken office, I've had two doctor visits, and now I've gotten a, uh, a bill for $50 copayment for each of those visits. Is this something I can expect now, a $50 copayment? And do you know why this started? I, I can't tell you why it started. What I can tell you is we're facing a number of attacks that are even greater 
to what you're mentioning uh, when it comes to the VA system, because there is, I think, a true effort to privatize the system. So we started out with the so-called Choice Act, because some people supposedly weren't getting uh, good care. You know, we recognize the system in Arizona had bad management. In Wisconsin, at Toma, we had a problem with uh, the prescription of opiates. But uh, the vast majority uh, of the VA system runs very, very well, and people get great care out of it. In fact, my Tea Party uncle in Colorado who followed me around at a wedding once telling me everything that was wrong with the federal government at the very end said, but leave my VA alone. Um, So we understand that there's the value to it. Our fight right now is just fighting back against these little slippery slope bills to uh, nick away and nick away and nick away, and eventually you won't have a functioning VA system. So keep vigilant and make sure you're reaching out to your representatives in Oregon, uh, Bobby, about these bills, uh, because it's important that we uh, hold the votes tight so that they don't destroy our VA system. Scott in Xenia, Ohio, you are on the air with Congressman Pokan. Good afternoon, uh, Congressman. Thank you for your service to your country. And Tom, thank you for the service you do every day. My pleasure. Um, I am petrified of the right using Harvey as a political football. Legislatively, what can you do to keep them from boxing you into a corner when you vote for the relief for it by keeping off things like the wall or like tax breaks for the rich or the typical right wing stuff that they're trying to do legislatively right now? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for your comments, Scott. And uh, you know, we're going to have to be vigilant on whatever they may do to try to put a package together. Um, as you said, you know, we've got a. This is the month we have to keep government open um, or face a shutdown. And uh, everything from flood insurance could be attached, uh, perhaps the wall. Although I think they can still do that through the budget process. Uh, I don't think tax breaks would be able to. But you're right to be watching for everything. Uh, we're going to have to do that. I mean, it's important that we take care of everyone who's been affected by Harvey. But if they try to politicize that, uh, we have to be able to stand up and, and have that backbone to make sure we're doing not just the right thing for the uh, people of Texas and Louisiana, but also making sure that they don't pull a fast one on the American people. Patrick in Seattle. Hey, Patrick, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Tom and uh, Congressman Pocan. Thank you so much for your time and information. I'm calling about the issue of gerrymandering, and it seems like, uh, well, yesterday there was an article in New York Times about the impact of uh, Republican-controlled state houses strengthening their grip on uh, their electability, and I'm just curious what the Democratic Party is doing to offset that, uh, that trend. Yeah, Patrick, great, great question. Um, I mean, gerrymandering is why we have a Tea Party uh, or their their ability to continue to have par- power. Uh, gerrymandering is why uh, in Wisconsin we had 100,000 more votes for Democratic uh, candidates for Congress, but they have five of the eight seats uh, in Wisconsin, and it's even worse in Pennsylvania and Michigan and Ohio. Uh, you know, gerrymandering is uh, taking away that really one vote uh, per person balance because uh, they're selecting who votes for them rather than the other way around. So uh, luckily, uh, we're seeing uh, Barack Obama and Eric Holder stand up nationally doing a bunch of work around this. It's very, very important work. We've got bills in Congress, but won't become law with a Republican House uh, and a Republican Senate. But we're trying to do everything we can to talk about it. In Wisconsin, there's a major case that's before the Supreme Court right now. We're anxiously waiting for those results. I think in October uh, we should see those. But uh, you you pegged it right. Uh, gerrymandering and those state legislatures is so important uh, in the next two election cycles. Uh, we have to pay attention to those legislative races because that's where the lines are drawn for both Congress and state legislative seats. Paul in Denison, Texas. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. 
Thank you, Tom. And uh, Congressman Pogan, it's an honor to speak with you, sir. Um, Thank you. Uh, my question today uh, has to do with, uh, with organized crime, actually. I mean, now that we've elected uh, essentially an organized mob boss as a president, and, and our Justice Department is now being run by this mafia, uh, what steps can, can Congress begin to take to begin to actually rein in corporate power and uh, uh, put a stop to, to the, the monopoly and duopolies that we're seeing in every industry? And, and it, just, it just seems like things are, are kind of snowballing out of control. Yeah, Paul, uh, great concerns. And, and let me answer it in this way. I was heartened to see in the um, House and Senate uh, Democrats' proposal for a better deal they put out there. One of the major focuses that they understood uh, that's important that we, when we talk about economics, because uh, that is the, the driving issue that, unfortunately, I don't think got the attention it needed to in 2016, um, is the antitrust laws that, quite honestly, came in under Bill Clinton and have now gone to a really terrible spot where we have consolidation in industries. Uh, there's a reason why one major airline was able to drag someone off a plane is because there's only a few major airlines to even choose from. And that's true in uh, big real estate firms, big banking firms, uh, go down the list. And it's those antitrust laws that uh, often on the board of directors within a few industries have the same people on the boards of directors. So all the decisions are made to make sure they're uh, enriched and not in money put back into the company or the employees. So I was heartened to see that was one of the major planks of that better deal proposal. Uh, we are working on uh, Mark DeSalny from California, Debbie Dingle from Michigan, Don Nurkross from New Jersey, and myself, a, a, um, a future of work, wages, and labor project that we're putting out at the end of the month. And that's one of the major uh, parcels of that. There's some good work happening to make sure that's more um, made more getting more public attention, and I think that's going to be positive, Paul, because I know people will agree with us on this when they see all the the facts about it. Dave in Canton, Ohio, you're on the air with Congressman Pokan. Hello. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Uh, I was on a little earlier and I got cut off, and I was asking about the uh, possibility of limiting. Uh, Trump's uh, pardon powers. Well, it's already um, it's already limited to he cannot he cannot pardon against state crimes. I mean that's that's the that's the giant loophole that could be used against Trump, isn't it, Congressman? Uh, yes, and in fact, you know, one of the interesting things that um, came out of a discussion I had heard in the last twenty four hours was. When you look at, uh, for example, the interference with elections that happened, if the Trump administration won't do anything about it, perhaps individual um, election officials or secretaries of state or whatever the structure is in a given state, one of those 37 or 39 states that were hacked into, they should have a legal recourse and ability to go after it. So um, I think the president does have somewhat of a limited pardon, but we can be creative and find other ways to make sure that we're still getting to the truth and getting the results we need. Leslie in Central Square, New York. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello? Leslie, you're on the air. Yes, yes. Uh, I want to talk about a couple of things quick, like here. Uh, in 1996, I think it was, Bill Clinton signed a law into the law with uh, Newt Gingrich uh, with the Communications Act. I can't name it right now. I assume you guys can. It's called the Telecommunications exactly. Act of 1996, yes. Yes, exactly. What that did was it took away our freedom of the press. We have no freedom of the press because of that law, okay? And the Democrats have never done nothing about it after that, okay? And it's been 25 years or more. 
No, there's no freedom of press. You got six conglomerates, and they trade information back and forth all the time and stuff. And I don't believe that's legal either. Okay, this is very terrible. This is the stuff that makes America work. You know, and we don't have a free press. We don't. Well, let's let's get Congressman Pocan's thoughts on this. Well, I, I think, you know, Leslie, I, I agree that there are some concerns on how the corporate media covers things and doesn't cover things, because trust me, we've often tried as a progressive caucus, we, we have rallies and press conferences with lots of people and they never get covered uh, by the corporate media, because if that's not selling detergent uh, during the news hour, it may not get covered. And I think some is explicit. They don't cover things uh, because of uh, who their advertisers are, or who their owners are. Um, I, I still, I'm a journalism major, I still believe there is a good amount of freedom of the press. However, uh, there are certainly challenges out there, and if we have something like the net neutrality law change, I think that's a, a attack on that freedom of press. And there's other things that could happen as well, especially in an administration that treats the media uh, like they do, trying to demonize them in order to get their agenda done. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour here on the Tom Harvard program. Uh, 202-808-9925 is our telephone number. You can reach Congressman Pocan. You can check out his website at pocan, P-O-C-A-N.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark, M-A-R-K, Pocan, P-O-C-A-N. And uh, we'll be right back with more of your calls. And welcome back. Uh, Rob in Milpitas, California. You are on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan. Thank you, Tom. And I'm calling about the uh, resolution that was passed uh, this past Sunday at the California Democratic Party Executive Board meeting, which called on the DNC to essentially stop ignoring voter suppression and rigged vote counting machines. Um, As we kind of saw in the office campaign, no matter what we as Democrats do to get the vote out, the voting counting machines seem to flip the results because it appears that uh, John Ossoff got two votes for every one vote that Karen Handel got. And I was wondering, uh, Congressman, what can we possibly do to get the DNC to pay attention to the rigged vote counting machines and start turning this around? Because I think we already have enough voters going to the polls. Even, you know, they've got gerrymandering, they've got all the other voter suppression modes methods, but once we get there, our votes are not being properly counted. Yeah, so so Rob, I think you bring up a really strong point because uh, one of the concerns that I saw along with Keith Ellison and Hank Johnson, uh, Keith Ellison from Minnesota, Hank Johnson from Georgia, was the the hacking that happened and the fact that they were going after the companies that make our voting machines and going after election officials. So what we did is we introduced a bill called the SAFE Act, and what it does is, is a couple of things. One, it makes sure that every electronic voting machine has a receipt, so you have a paper receipt. Uh, two, it makes sure there's random auditing afterwards, 5% auditing, so that it's uh, less of incentive for anyone to try to uh, rig an election because you can get caught during that process. Three, it makes sure that um, we uh, have the commission that Republicans originally this year earlier voted to get rid of that has to approve uh, the patches that go through. And four, it puts our entire election system under the nation's critical infrastructure definition, which is what our financial systems and our utilities are under for the utmost protection. 
we have to do some of those things at a bare minimum to protect that election infrastructure so we have the integrity protected. And there's more things we can do as well, and you brought gerrymandering up and other issues. But on the election machines themselves, let's make sure uh, that they are absolutely – we still have a, a commission to approve uh, any patches and changes that happen. Let's have a paper ballot. Let's have random audits of those elections. You know, Ireland tried paper, uh, tried our electronic voting machines in one election. They not only uh, got rid of them, they refused to sell them as voting machines. They were afraid somebody might actually buy them and use them for that. So they well, sold them into the scrap metal market uh, based on the weight of them. And, you know, they were they were crushed and, and sold by the by the ton or by the pound. Why? Why should we have any computers, particularly privatized ones at all in our voting chain? Well, and I think, yeah, that's a real significant conversation. If we are going to see future attacks, which I think we're going to see, uh, why do we have five companies, including one company that has been explicit supporter of Republican politicians, making machines? Uh, part of our uh, infrastructure uh, maybe should also be that we as a country um, are going to have the production. Uh, it, you know, there's computerized machines that aren't the touchscreen ones, right? I mean, there's ones where you fill in the Scanatronic, you know, and, and those sure. I've done hand recounts. So I don't want to say anything computerized, but I do think, you know, we've got to have that security within any machine that is electronic. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I remember in, in, uh, in Georgia years ago, this we had a producer, uh, his uh, on-air name was Zen Pickle. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he lived in Marietta, Georgia, and he went to vote. And uh, this was in a minority area. He went to vote and he tried to write in a name and it crashed the machine. He crashed six voting machines in a row and each one of them, they had to wipe all the memory cards. All the previous votes got lost. Anyhow, we'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Middays with Mark. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls here on the Tom Hartman program. Anthony in Watsonville, California. You are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Oh, thank you, Mr. Hartman, for taking my call. Sure. Thank you, Congressman Pocan. Uh, my question is about voter suppression and... Um, we're always on the defense with the Republican Party. They're always at one step ahead. My my thought is, if if this Chris uh, cross check by Chris Kovac goes through, they try to push a bill. Can we have a rider on the bill so if a corporation gets caught doing something illegally, they can't contribute to the Republican Party? Like a felon can't vote. Hmm. Ah, Anthony, I like your thinking. Um, that, that's an interesting suggestion. Uh, you know, I, part of the problem right now is it's hard to get anything attached to a bill if it, you know, with a Republican House, Senate, and uh, and President. But I really, it's an interesting concept because I think many of us have a problem with the idea that a corporation is a person when it comes to campaign contributions, but uh, not when it comes to putting someone in in prison. And I, I like uh, the type of outside the box thinking you so have. So any corporation convicted of a felony. Yeah. Can, can can cannot lobby for the next twenty years or something yeah. like that, you know, until they've until they've had their their parole, their probation. That's that person. That is a, yeah. yeah, that is a great <laughs> idea. Sheena in Prairie Grove, Arkansas. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, thank you guys for what you do, uh, uh, Representative. My question, uh, I heard you mention it a week or two ago about uh, Bill. I believe you said it was HR six six nine. That would prevent any president from initiating a first strike only. Uh, and I think you said it was sitting in Paul Ryan's office. And I was wondering if there's any movement on that, because that's what terrifies me the most with this president. Yeah, I don't know the number offhand. I apologize because there's over 5,000 bills in there. I think the only one I really know is 
676 and Medicare for All because I talk about it just about every day. But um, on that, I mean, yeah, there's so far no movement uh, that we have um, on that bill, and I doubt given Paul Ryan's um, experience on what he just did to us on the reauthorization uh, for Congress to get involved on in, uh, declaring war that he would be very good at helping us out on this one either. Dave in Somerville, South Carolina. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, good afternoon, sir. Um, uh, Congressman, quick question. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and about, just about all of my friends who are in unions there uh, voted for Trump. And I still can't figure that out. But um, is it illegal or legal for you as a representative to attend a union meeting and try to explain to these guys, you know, what they're voting for and how they're, you know, hurting their future by voting Republican? Yeah, Dave. Uh, so first of all, I know it's not illegal. Um, this morning I sat down with about 50 labor leaders in my district. Um, you know, I'm part of uh, IUPAT, the Painters and Allied Trades myself. Um, you know, I think what we found, and I've talked to a number of union leaders who polled their members afterwards, you know, there's a lot of uh, economic frustration out there, and uh, they think that Washington and the, and the and the system and the elite still run things, and I don't think uh, they're they're wrong. And they looked at uh, Trump. Uh, many people stayed home, and that's what we saw in Wisconsin. A lot of union people uh, just decided that uh, the the Democrats didn't speak to them in the last election, and and they still didn't trust Donald Trump. And some went with Donald Trump because he actually gave a very good surface answer on trade. The problem is his details really weren't there, but they've been impacted by trade. So I think our job is to do a much better job in talking on those economic core issues. That includes collective bargaining. We have better wages and better uh, working conditions. Uh, people can go home at the end of the day without a risk of uh, dying or being injured at work because of unions. And we need to get that message out, especially with Labor Day coming up on Monday. So um, I think we need to really uh, get more of in a reintroductory lesson about what unions have done throughout history, why we have weekends, why we have a 40-hour work week, et cetera. Uh, but no, it's not illegal to go to union meetings, and I, I would hope more elected officials would do it. Kerry in Homestead, Florida. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Kerry? Homestead, Florida. Yeah, that's me, Kerry Cox. Yep, you're on the air. Mr. Hartman, thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate it. This is my first time. Thank you. And uh, I want to thank the congressman for uh, being there with you. It shows bravery, for one thing. That's 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 most important to me. But I'd like to ask the, con uh, the uh, congressman, would he uh, uh, pro a proposal for a national identification for uh, uh, voting, for voting registra uh, registration in the uh, national elections? You know, and you can have uh, the duplicate of... Uh, both of them, I'm sorry, a redundancy at least. So no, I, I hear you, Terry. Um, so first of all, let me just say, I mean, I appreciate Tom opening up this opportunity because I consider I'm part of the legislative arm of the resistance. Uh, and what I'm trying to do is share what's happening in Washington while you're all contacting your representatives and helping us provide us ideas. We're all on the same team. So uh, this is a great opportunity. And I thank Tom for what he's doing and connecting all of us. You know, I think anything we can do to get to uh, automatic voter registration, it shouldn't be a barrier. It shouldn't be a timeline. Uh, we need to get much better on this. That's why I've, uh, along with Keith Ellison, proposed a constitutional amendment to guarantee a right to vote that would do that. Uh, I'm open to pretty much anything that would make it easier for people to vote legally, which is the way they're voting. Okay, uh, Chuck in Winter Park, Maine. We have 90 seconds to the end of the hour, Chuck. A real quick question, please, for Congressman Pocan. Yes, 
Uh, sir, I'm very concerned about hedge funds. Hedge funds have caused a lot of trouble uh, for us here in the little village in Maine. We had two, two of them. One bought up all the medical clinics, and the other one bought up all the phones. Uh, so it's a real problem, and I want to—I don't know if I, where, how this figures in the plans, taxation plans, but I certainly have a fear of these. Hedge okay, funds. let's ask Congressman Pocan his thoughts on this. Yeah, well, well, first, I mean, I think around taxation, when it comes to passive income and other things, we do need to have a different conversation um, because uh, I think there are strong arguments that we should be taxing r rates differently on some of that income so that we're getting a fair um, uh, compensation as, as everyone else who's making money. You know, I, my big fear, quite honestly, a little broader, if I can, ch um, Chuck, is that uh, they're rolling back Dodd-Frank across the board, and that's going to take us back to the pre-2008 uh, era, and that uh, almost devastated the economy. Uh, we can't let that happen, and I think we have to really push back on our elected officials who are doing that and make sure people know we want consumer protections and we can't let uh, the banksters go back to being banksters. Do you think they're going to succeed in, in gutting Dodd-Frank? Uh, they are right now in the House, and if they can get it through the Senate, um, you know, we got to be careful of those few swing Democrats and what they'll, you know, they could possibly accept. But the Republicans are, are almost unanimous in, in trying to gut it. You know, to be fair, there's a few things that could be uh, fixed because we haven't been doing our jobs. The bureaucrats might have been a little aggressive on some but of But that's not what they're interested things. in. Yeah. No. Congressman really. Pocan, thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll be back. Fantasy football fans, the wait is nearly over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back. FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. They have new contests starting every week, so there's no busted seasons. FanDuel has something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from, starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Hey, would you like to have Colin Kaepernick on your team? He's on mine. There's a lot of ways to put together and personalize your team, and boy, the games just get better and better. Every, over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. Sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M. New users get free entry into the NFL Sunday Million with over $1 million in cash prizes when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com and sign up with promo code TOM, T-H-O-M. That's FanDuel, F-A-N-D-U-E-L dot com, promo code TOM, void where prohibited. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And uh, in the studio with us is Charles Sauer, libertarian economist and president of the Market Institute, marketinstitute.org. His, his uh, Twitter handle is Charles Sauer, S-A-U-E-R. Charles, welcome back. Thanks for having me. So in Texas right now, the Republican Texas attorney general is threatening to prosecute stores and uh, pretty much any other kind of business that is are engaged in price gouging based on a natural disaster. It's a $20,000 fine if you do it against a normal person, and it's a quarter million dollar fine if you do price gouging against somebody who's over 65. So I, this is like very un-libertarian. I mean, it seems to me that the libertarian worldview would be, hey, you know, if, if, if the demand in town is for a million bottles of water, and the water is selling for a dollar a bottle, and suddenly there's only a half a million bottles of water, every bottle of water is worth $2. If there's only a quarter million bottles of water, so every bottle of water is worth $4. Yep. That what disasters do is they simply, you know, 
interact with the marketplace and price gouging is not price gouging. It is a perfectly normal thing. We care about people, Tom. We want the we want the people that are thirsty to have it instead of the instead of the people that need to refill their fish bowls with bottled water. So you're saying that asking people who don't have two pennies to rub together, just lost everything, just got wiped out. Their home is gone. They can't pay their bills. They're going to be homeless probably, you know, for years. They're, they're just devastated. That saying to that person, you know, you're going to have to pay $40 for that bottle of water, which you may not make it through the night without, because I don't want you pouring it into your fishbowl. Seriously? Well, I'm, I'm saying that uh, the government forcing the small business owner um, what price he should charge for something and holding a uh, fine over his head if he forgets in the middle of a flooded storm to check somebody's uh, to Forgets. check somebody's ID to see if they're 65 or older before he gets well, a no, multi. You can't, you can't price gouge people under 65 either. Yeah, but, uh, but 20, he might 000. be able to make it up if he's charging the right amount of money for his water. I mean, the fact oh, so, is, so price... if he charges twenty five thousand dollars for the bottle of water and he gets hit with a twenty thousand dollar fine. He just made a $5,000 profit and just paid the cost of doing the, business. Is that what you're saying? The thing is, and why price gouging doesn't actually exist, right? It's There's no such thing. It's only price gouging when the left decides what moral state it's going to be. Except this is not the left. This is yeah, the this Republican is, Party of Texas. No, this, this is the is, Republican Attorney General of Texas. In fact, the Republican Attorney, Attorney General of Texas said, and I quote, selling or leasing uh, no, that's the law. Excuse me. Let me find the place in the article where, uh, there's a, there's a Republican attorney general of, uh, Kansas. That was actually somebody who went to law school with my father that I, uh, wrote letters to on, uh, regarding price gouging because he was actually pursuing it in Kansas. Um, well, here, here's what, schools. here's what AG Ken Paxton said. He said, we're going to find you price gougers. Once we find you, we are going to pursue you. So stop It's better to stop than to be found out. So this power is, corrupts. This is this is one of the things that an attorney general has as his power, and one of the stepping stones to governor or to senator or to something with more power is attorney general. So you have a huge public crisis like this; it becomes very popular for somebody to take their power and their position and exert it, and that's how he believes. And I, I think all of the Republican attorney generals that uh, pursue price gouging are woefully underinformed on, on the economic situation behind uh, prices and, and what sets a price, but also um, what the long-term effects of what they're doing is going to be. I mean, look, this happened in Katrina. People, rich people were uh, doing normal fixes on their houses when poor people still had holes in their roofs um, and, and weren't able to find lumber to fix them because the supplies weren't able to get back in there. If you're able to actually increase the prices to where the market will hold, then people uh, can get the people that demand it high enough can get the supplies they need. It holds the sub supply where it's supposed to be. So, so your argument is that basically only the rich need survive. To hell with poor people. No, you know, the, the, you, 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 you know, you, <laughs> it, this is Rich. this is a the, the, you know, you, I, I'm I'm almost speechless. I mean, it's just I, I'm astonished that you would you would support. A capitalist, these aren't even capitalists in some cases, many of them are just, you know, entrepreneurs or whatever. You would support a predator basically lining their pockets on the back of, of people who are experiencing a, a, 
a horrible disaster. I, I you know, I, I think most people have more morality than that, Charles. I, mean, I Charles, find it they don't, they don't subscribe to these, you know, amoral libertarian theologies. You, you can't out moral me on this because the fight that you're making is so that the rich person, so that the top one percent can easily and cheaply buy the water that it takes to put in their fishbowl or to flush their toilet. And the morality of that versus having water where a family might be able to feed their daughters and their kids is not, that's not the moral world that I want to live in. I want to live in the moral you, world you where we can give water to- You that's a straw man to... argument, Charles. If, no. if, if a store, if they can't engage in price gouging and they have a certain amount of water, they're not going to say to the first person who walks in the door and says, I'll take 40 of those because I want to flush my toilet and do my fish tank. You know, and and you know, realizing you only have forty-five of them, and then walk. No, they're going to say you can have one. Look, we we know where the moral case on this and the straw man being made here is by you. the The actual case here and the facts behind this are that the government didn't want price gougers in the flood insurance market. So what happened? The government came in and not only mandated a price, they took over the flood insurance market, and they're charging below prices for flood insurance. And so now we've had an increase of that's people a in the flood That's a different planes. argument. No, it's not. That's that's what happened. They, the government says people were price gouging yes, on flood has, insurance. No, they, it had that's nothing. the exact argument we're doing. I've got the moral high ground no, here. The, You're the, not going to take the, it. Uh, you know, I don't disagree with you about the flood insurance. The federal yeah. government's supporting flood insurance is causing mostly wealthy people the vast majority of the flood insurance that's been used is people who have coastal properties and coastal properties. John Stossel is a good example. You know, He's had yeah. several houses replaced. Yeah, you, so you're talking, you know, multi-hundred thousand dollar, a million, multi-million yeah. dollar mansions and things like that that are supported by flood insurance. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who are wiped out and they need water. And they go to the local store and this local store is saying the water that yesterday was a dollar a bottle is now $40 a bottle. Do you have your 40 bucks? And the people say no. And it's like tough luck, Charlie. They're wiped. Those this, people were wiped out for the same policies. They're wiped out because they of were price setting out. policies no, of they big were, government. They were, they were wiped that's, out that's because what you the fossil set. fuel industry has been has been lying to us for four decades about what they know about now, climate change. And you've got now I know I just that, won because we just reverted from flood insurance and price gouging to fossil they were fuels. Wiped out that's by a when storm. I win. They were when, wiped out by a storm. And that storm was fueled by global warming. Absolutely. But that's but again, that's not the point or the, or the debate either. The, the debate is, what do you do about price gouging? And you're saying you do nothing about it. And I'm saying that's insanely immoral. The purpose, the, pur the purpose of a government is to is to provide for the general welfare of its citizens. Now, we just saw you define the morality again. I mean, the fact is, is you can't unstraw man the straw man. The basic argument here is that government set the prices too low on flood insurance. So people moved in. That's government price setting. And what you're saying is now government should price set here for the water. Well, now what happens? What if the person buys the water from I'm not a saying non government should now, set no, the price Tom, for the let's, water? Let's continue down this I'm road. Saying, stay with the marketplace. Whatever the whatever the price no. for the water was, so that's the, the price for the water. The is. marketplace is only going to be fined in the end by by the government, and because you're the the marketplace okay, the only defines defining prices what, what price by supply and is. demand. So you're. I mean, the fact is is. So now let's continue this. So now the the store can't price gouge. So the uh, rich person buys the water in the store to, to fill up their fish tank or, or they can their, only buy or one their toilet. But they so they get back to their neighborhood and somebody actually needs the water there. They can't sell it to them because now you're going to consider that price gouging. Not for a hundred bucks. It doesn't stop. I mean, that's the that's the point is once that's you once you price, price gouging set, doesn't start, it, stop. It keeps the waste going.
No, once once you this is we're not I'm not talking I'm not a fan of wage and price controls. You know, Nixon tried that in the 70s. It didn't work. This is a wage um, and price control. Th no, this is a this is preventing people from behaving like predators when their friends and neighbors are in distress by controlling the price. That's that correct. is the that is the definition of a by, price by leaving the price where the market had set it. Uh, under distress, every time we talk about an issue, there's some group or something that's under stress. And so we're only talking about the stress is defined by the left in this case. And and so, I mean, you're going right, to move price gouging because you're into you're not even Tuesdays. acknowledging stress. You're, you're saying, well, you know, if somebody is somebody's dehydrated, if they're if they're, you know, three-year-old child is about to die from thirst and they don't have the 50 bucks for the bottle of water. I'm fully acknowledging stress. That's why I want I want markets to dictate the price. All right. Charles, Charles Seller. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you and uh, Muwata in Ashbury Park, New Jersey. Hey, Muwata, what's up? How you doing, Tom? I just want to let you know I've been listening to your show for many years, and you know you have good subjects. But I just want to weigh in on this whole thing about violence versus self-defense. Right. And I want to, uh, in whole thing, I want to clear that I'm a Vietnam vet. I'm also I was also part of the original BLM Black Liberation Movement back in the '70s, mm -hmm. and I feel that the system itself, the violence of capitalism, which bring which brings on white supremacy food and medical, um, lack of and education in the black community, people of color, that's violence in itself. And I think like, you know, I, I don't, be I believe violence brings violence at the same time too many of our people, people that are talking about, you know, anti-fascism, anti-Nazi there to them, it's kind of, especially some of the white left is like a luxury to them. But mm. we as black people live it every day in our communities, from whether it's police brutality or, as I said, lack of food, good medical food, medical education, stuff like that. So it's about, in our sense, it's about self-defense and it's about destroying something that has, from this time we have been in this country, been about, you know, violence and terrorism against us. So I'm not an anti-violence person. I believe in self-defense. And I think that's where a lot of us activists in the black community come from with that. I absolutely understand, Wada. Let me ask you a question. If the marchers at the Edmund Pettus Bridge back in 1960, what year was that? 65, wasn't it? As I recall. Right, I think so. Right. Yeah. If, if the marchers on the Edmund Pettus Bridge, the, the African-Americans who had come out of Selma, if they, if, they were, uh, if they had gone to that march wearing helmets and carrying baseball bats, and when the police attacked them and beat them, they fought back and beat some cops. And, you know, there was also a bunch of city folk there who were, who were wailing on them. Um, if they had fought back and cracked some heads and, and thrown a few people into the river and given as good as they got, what would the media coverage have said about them? Oh, yeah, I agree. The media is biased and the media will Wednesday. They have a riot. But that's the same thing they talked about us when we had rebellions in Newark. Right. And Instead of the media like, being talking about the violence of the institution of, of policing in, in Alabama, they would be talking instead about, you know, both sides are at fault. You know, it's a, it was a riot. You, you, the word you used, Mwata. And in, instead of saying, look at how shockingly violent this white power structure is. Yeah. And and so, I, I you know, I acknowledge I, I'd be the first to acknowledge. I've written books about it, about, you know, how there's a a a, a violence that is endemic to capitalism and 
to, frankly, our, our form of government to a large extent. And, and, and it's a very real violence, and that violence has traditionally been directed against women and people of color and, and uh, you know, by white men and, and continues to be, for that matter. But the question is then, what do you do about that violence? Do you, quote, defend yourself and fight back against it? Or do you allow it to be demonstrated to the world in all its horror? You know, the, 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 the death of Heather Heyer is the tragic death of Heather Heyer, which I would never you know, wish on anybody. But here was a nonviolent uh, anti-fascist who was murdered by, by, you know, a fellow who had violence and hate in his heart. And that caused us all to wake up and say, whoa, look at that. But if mm -hmm. after he had hit her, if somebody else's car had hit him and he had died, where would we be? I agree. Well, all I would say to that is, Tom, that's why I think we really need to form a broad united front against fascism, racism, and it's all its things in America here. And, and that broad front has had many ends of strategy from, like, you know, self community self-defense, first of all, of course, and then also, you know, other means, you know, political, you know, civil disobedience, a lot of things that we took from the civil rights era. But I, I think it can be a one type of strategy. Because you're talking about a system, like, as you say, that is very violent against all these people. So you need a, a broad strategy to combat But it. then what do you do, Moana, when some of the people who are on your side, if you're committed to nonviolence, uh, if some of the people on your side are committed to responding to violence with violence and they're mm -hmm. standing next to you, I, what do you do? I, all right. That becomes a problem. But that's why a broad united front, you have a set of principles. And people that are in that um, front, they have but, to... But my, my argument is that the violence is always going to be the thing that floats to the top. It's always going to be the thing that, quote, wins. It's always going to be the thing that gets reported on. It's always going to be the thing that gets reacted to. It's going to be the thing that, let, that laws get passed in response to. And, and not in a good way. And, and that's why we need, I agree, and that's the problem with the corporate media. That's why we need more media like you that's going to bring out what's really going on democracy now. Because we got to tell our own story. Because we yeah. can't rely and react to what the media does. I just think we have to have a broad strategy because Nazis and fascism, you know, like my grandfather fought against Nazism in Germany. You know what I mean? We yeah. can't allow this to happen here. And that's all I'm trying to say. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, you know, my dad joined the army hoping to fight fascists too. Uh, although the war ended while he was in boot camp. But, I, you know, I get it. Moana, thank you for the call. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have the latest news and information from Wall Street and Main Street, all points in between, plus the best of the rest of the news. And don't forget, democracy begins with you. Get out there, show up, participate, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.